Welcome into the Talk of Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. I am Chase Goodbread, the sports columnist with the Tuscaloosa News, joined by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. Travis coming to us live from Savannah, Georgia, as uh, <laughs> as Lorne, the uh, imitable sidekick of Larry Munson, used to used to call Savannah. 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 <laughs> uh, you can get Talk of Tide. Wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, we're live on YouTube and Facebook. And, of course, the Twitter feed is talking underscore Tide. You can get links to all of our podcasts right there on the Twitter feed. So give us a like, a subscribe, a a follow, and all that. And uh, we'll keep you posted on Alabama football for sure. I want to thank Peter Brook, Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, and Heat Pizza Bar, two fine local sponsors. Tell you a little bit more about them later in the program but first of course we dive right in travis to uh 27 20 loss for alabama in the college football playoff semifinal out in la in the rose bowl pasadena to be specific and uh disappointing loss for alabama obviously travis a lot to unpack with that game um i say we let's just go ahead and start from the end the final play, and then we'll kind of work our way back through the rest of it. But the final play is definitely uh, drawn a lot of chatter, as it should, uh, with Alabama coming up short on a fourth and three play, trying to tie the game in overtime on a play that uh, really was was doomed from the start. Uh, if you look at it from and, – and, and I looked at it from every angle and I watched every block – uh, trying to figure out exactly what went right, what went wrong, and clearly most things went wrong on that play. They did, starting with the snap not being exactly accurate, which certainly didn't help Jalen Milrow in terms of being able to do what he wanted to do. I thought also the ball being on the right hash mark, Chase limited probably some options that Alabama would have because if you want to roll or get Jalen out on that edge to his arm side, you're going into the boundary. Uh, we heard Nick Saban talk about it post game how they went kind of timeout for timeout with Michigan and trying to get the looks that they wanted. They'd had some success with some unbalanced stuff uh, in the fourth quarter. Uh, on that touchdown drive that put them ahead 17 to 13. I think they wanted to do some of that before having to call a timeout there on the fourth and three player before it, because Michigan was accounting for that, I guess. Um, yeah, just had the feel of a doom play from the start, beginning with the snap. Uh, Michigan did a nice job, really didn't respect the back motioning out there at all. I think they sent the linebacker a little bit out there, but everybody else was jumping inside, kind of anticipating something between the tackles with Jalen Milrow and, you know, didn't really get to get behind Jaden Roberts, who was pulling from that right side and looked like a quarterback power all the way uh, to try to get Jalen Milrow into the end zone. And Michigan had it sniffed out pretty good. And, you know, there you go. That's the end of the season. Up front on this play, I counted two successful blocks by offensive linemen. Seth McLaughlin came down on a tackle, got the job done. Tyler Booker came down on an inside uh, defender, defensive tackle, got the job. Those those were the two blocks that worked. Roberts pulls out for what looked like he was trying to do some kind of a kickout block, and there was nobody to kick out. 
Caden Proctor stepped inside, but uh, didn't get a piece of anybody. And Latham on the right side set soft. Uh, wasn't trying to push anybody. It looked like he was just kind of, it was almost like a pass block set where he was just trying to pick up maybe whatever was coming from the backside. And uh, he got pushed into it and actually tripped Milrow a little bit with his left foot. He had to basically stick it right in Milrow's path in order to plan himself. And uh, that caught Milrow as he was trying to go through, kind of took some, I think that took a lot of power out of Milrow right there. And uh, a linebacker that CJ Dupree was trying to take care of came in and crashed inside and got the first piece of Milrow and it, and, and it just, it went nowhere. Yeah, I, I think, again, this, it started with the snap, too. It kind of threw things off, the timing a little bit. Uh, I saw what you saw with J.C. Latham, although, you know, really with how that play looked to be designed, J.C. was more on the backside of the play if it goes according to plan. So it, it shouldn't have probably mattered as much on his side of things. Uh, with Dupree, I thought the defender for Michigan kind of helped Alabama there. Again, if everything goes according to plan, starting with the snap, you know, you kind of get that defender taking himself out of it. Um, the the problem, too, I think, with the back going out to the flat was that you weren't able to count for Sanistrill, the nickel defender, or that safety mm-hmm. that was kind of coming in support there. So he had right. kind of a free look at it and able to kind of cave down on it. So you might have been a blocker short because you motioned the back out to the flat and you didn't really have any intention on perhaps throwing it to him out in the flat when you actually had numbers out there. You had two blockers on two defenders out to the field side. And if you throw it to the back, you probably got a pretty good chance there. Um, But again, you know, it's all hindsight at this point. And as Nick Saban said, you know, you're out of timeouts at that point. So you kind of got to run what you got in that scenario. And uh, it needed to be executed at a very high level. And again, on a couple different levels, it just wasn't. Kobe Prentice mentioned in the post game that it was it was a bubble screen set up for Roy Dell Williams out there in the flat. Milrow never looked at it. I think Milrow must have seen something pre-snap from Michigan that he that liked. Or the snap, or the snap the just threw yeah. it. Yeah. Or, or the snap just put him in the mode of, I got to go get this. I, I, that could be it, too. Although, he, even though that snap was low, he caught it fairly clean. But you're right. Yeah. As, soon as, he, as soon as he caught it, he was going straight up the middle. And the way the offensive line blocked it, I'm not even – it didn't even look like they were trying to block him a hole for the A-gap, which is basically where he ran. It looked yeah. to me like the, the design for the keeper was – was more around the edge inside that kick out from Roberts. Yeah. And he never got out there, which goes to your point about the block that CJ Dupree was trying to make. If you go out there, then then that, you know, Dupree is is doing fine with his guy. Yeah, uh, and the but, read, the pre-snap read could have been or was maybe supposed to have been if Santa Strill's up in there like that, the ball mm-hmm. goes immediately to the flat because that right. kind of tells you your numbers out there. And maybe that's what Jalen wanted to do. But again, because of the the anxiety, perhaps, from, you know, the start of the play, it just, I, I agree with you. That play was never supposed to go in the A-gaps. I do know that. It was either yeah. supposed to go more B-gap or off tackle or, 
you know, somewhere like that, or it was the ball was supposed to get spit out to to Roydell uh, in that situation. That that would seem to be the most plausible uh, expectations for that play. Alabama finishes the season 12 and two SEC champions, obviously out in the semifinal, the uh, championship game, of course, Michigan to go on and take on the Washington Huskies Monday night in the college football national championship game. All right, Travis, looking at the game uh, from start to finish offensive woes early for Alabama defensive woes late. Um, your thoughts on, the offensive lines play in general. For me, on the offensive line, big difference between how they run blocked and how they pass blocked. Yeah, they gave up six sacks. It was ugly. Um, I think Milrow was was um, it basically it, it had the look of September Alabama to me in terms of pass pro and in terms of how Milrow handled the rush. Not so well. Um, on the other hand. I thought Alabama run did some really nice things in run blocking, especially in the second half. Yeah, ran for over 120 yards in the second half, and it's amazing what your rushing numbers can look like when you're not giving up five sacks like Alabama yeah. did in the first half. I mean, in college football, those sacks just eat away at your rushing totals. Alabama rushed for over 170 yards in the game, and that's with six sacks taken into account. So – pre-adjusted i think rushing yards Big sacks were, too yeah yeah 220 before sacks so this sort of narrative that alabama was dominated up front it doesn't it doesn't meet up with the numbers and that's on both sides of the ball now you know at the most critical times uh alabama didn't get the job done and michigan did i mean you can look at four minute football pretty much in either half both halves if you want to uh, for more on that. And, you know, I felt like when Alabama was up 17-13 there in the fourth quarter, if this is truly a national championship kind of team, then with the football on multiple occasions, they go down and step on Michigan's neck. Not a field goal. Get in the end zone, go up 24-13, and then put Michigan in a very bad spot. And you know, went down and got the three points. We're running the football well there in the fourth quarter. Jam Miller converts the third and three. You know, they converted a couple of third and threes, third and fours with the run game. So, again, right. that doesn't speak to Michigan dominating the lines of scrimmage. I thought, if anything, Michigan defensively was asking Alabama to run the ball and wanted to, see if, wanted to see if Alabama would be patient enough to do it. And yeah. in some instances, Alabama just was not. Some of it by play call. Some of it based on, you know, when Alabama did throw it, it wanted the chunk plays that Michigan just was not going to give up. And so, you know, you get the first down with Jam Miller on the third and three. You immediately get this illegal substitution penalty that puts you in a first and 15 when it looks like you're about to go down and get up 24-13. You end up settling for a long field goal from Will Reichard. And, you know, when you do that in situations like that, you leave the door open to getting beat. And I thought Alabama did that in the fourth quarter and took Michigan's credit, um, took advantage of those opportunities, including on some just clutch plays by a couple of different guys. Roman Wilson with the catch and the run inside the Alabama 10. That was a hell of a catch off a deflected ball, no less. Right. And the fourth and two play, which was a lot like Quorum's touchdown catch earlier in the game. 
it was just flipped kind of the formations and how they had him lined up next to McCarthy. Uh, they went back to it as they should have. You know, they had that one in their back pocket a couple times in the game. And really on both occasions, it worked very well. Yeah, that was a huge play on fourth and two. They got a big gainer on that one. Defensively for Michigan, I, it looked to me like they were playing a lot of a pretty good bit of cover three in the secondary. Corners laying off oh. of safety really, yeah. really deep in the middle of the field. They were going to do everything they could to take away, uh, you know, the deep ball to Burton. They didn't want to give up anything deep. And, you know, they. I think along with Darren Alabama to run the ball, as you noted, they kind of dared Milrow to throw hot, which is yeah. something he really never got comfortable doing all year. And I think Michigan probably saw it on tape that that uh, you can forget about that running back because Milrow might too. And the tight ends. You know, there were a couple occasions where you had a nigh black or a tight end hot early. And, you know, it's it's you know, it's nice to be able to bring five at a running quarterback like Jalen Milrow and not really concern yourself with those type of scenarios. And Michigan bet on that. That's what Michigan bet on in this game right. was that, you know what, if he gets down to his backs and his tight ends, we'll live with it. But we're going to bet on him not being able to do it, and we're going to impact him before he can get going as a runner. We're not mm -hmm. going to let him get just these straight-line runs on extended plays. Now, Alabama did some good things on the design runs a couple times when they went unbalanced in the fourth quarter and he ripped one right up the middle there. And he did have a couple of scrambles. I mean, again, before sacks are taken out, Jalen rushed for over 100 yards in the game. But the mm -hmm. damn sacks, man, they were big, as you said earlier. And, you know, when you have sacks and you have critical penalties, even though you look at the penalty yardage, it doesn't look bad, but it's when you have them sometimes. Sure. As much as how many you have. And I thought Michigan a couple times benefited from maybe not having penalties called there in the first quarter. You know, James Burnup gets drilled as he's watching his punt in the air, finishing the right. process of the punt. No call on that. Now, I'm not making a big deal out of that because Alabama offensively was so bad in the first half. It may have just been three more plays and he's back out there punting again with the way mm -hmm. Alabama was in the first half. But uh, you know, Alabama did enough to to hurt itself uh, with an emphasis on the offensive side of the ball. And then defensively with the opportunity to close things out, just couldn't quite get it done. It reminded me a little bit of Alabama's trip to College Station to take on A&M from this standpoint. If you remember against A&M, Alabama came out in the second half and adjusted with some quicker, shorter throws hot because the pass mm -hmm. rush was getting to them in the first half. Uh, same with Michigan. I thought they came out against Michigan in the second half, having already been sacked five times, as you noted, and uh, started throwing uh, some quicker, shorter stuff on the early reads. Mm -hmm. uh, but – those are design reads as opposed to throwing hot behind a blitz. Yeah, they're predetermined they throws. Right. Yeah, you're right. Yep. Uh, what you make of Justice Haynes popping in there for uh, a few carries? He looked really good. I thought he looked explosive. Uh, I was certainly surprised to see him in there. I mean, he's been an afterthought all year other than special teams work. Uh, but uh, he, he made a difference in there. Looked good. I thought he looked older. And when I say that, I mean his patience, and he does have a burst. I don't know if he's a 4-3 guy 
you know, but I love the way he's patient. He kind of sets things up a little bit. He gives his front time to get things done before he attacks and um, just smooth, instinctive, uh, everything you thought he was going to be. And he had shown in the little bits that we had seen of him to this point, he was that. And so, you know, I thought it was interesting. He'd come out and start the second half. They go two back set with J.M. Miller and Justice Haynes together yeah. in the game. So, you know, I think that bodes well. I think it also is a message to those guys. Look, you're you're our future in all likelihood at this position. Uh, and we believe in you right now. It's not just a 2024 and beyond thing. You know, we feel like you can help us right now. And I thought both those guys did. And, and look, Jace was great. You know, Jace Jace looked like he healthy Jace after the layoff, the time off and seemed to work well for him. I mean, that's, that's, you know, I mean, that's a damn nice pro tape that he put out there uh, in that game with his lateral movement and his ability to make people miss and the, the move he put on Santa Strill and the hole on the touchdown run in the first quarter. I mean, that's, but that's pro stuff as you know and and he's shown you he can do it as a receiver and so i thought that was really good for his future nice game for jace mccullough no doubt about it big advantage for alabama in the special teams realm and had michigan lost this game it would have gone back to special teams i think for wolverines fans travis uh and and it wasn't like it wasn't like Alabama played great special teams, which they did. And Michigan uh, was at Michigan was terrible on special teams, right? They, they blow the extra point. They miss a field goal. They have a turnover that turns into Alabama's first touchdown. They nearly turn it over again at the end of regulation uh, inside their own five yard line, a play that, that uh, um, could have easily gone for a game winning touchdown for Alabama, just a mess on special teams for Michigan Alabama, on the other hand, Reichert bombs two from 50-plus. Uh, Burnup with a huge game, pinning Michigan back and, and doing a good job with, with his punts. Um, special teams played a, a big, big role in that game, even getting to overtime. That's what gave Alabama every opportunity in the fourth quarter to finish that game and put Alabama in a position of being up a touchdown. Uh, at that point in the game. So absolutely, when you talk about just the play of the specialist, the kicker, the punter, the return guys, um, you're right. I mean, late in regulation, when I saw that muff initially of that punt and I saw Kendrick Law closing in on Thaw, mm-hmm. I thought this is going for a recovery for Alabama in the end zone to win the game or a safety. You know, it right. could have been either or. At that point, I give Thaw credit. He held on because Kendrick Law hit him, you know, almost simultaneous with the recovery. Uh, maybe it was a good thing the guy didn't have time to really think about it. But right. that was one of those plays. You talk about a, a Daniel Moore potential special teams moment to go along <laughs> with Van Tiffin and Philip Doyle, a couple of field goal kickers from the past. That would have been it if Law is able to force that ball loose there. Danny Moore would have got busy on that one. <laughs> well, it would have been, right, the 19th national title in Kendrick Law in that 19 jersey. You know? <laughs> That's right. 
So yeah, boy, throwing a big a... play uh, in the final on this coming Monday for yeah. Law, and they, they would have done yeah. a double shot with that name yeah. more. Yes. No doubt about it. Uh, defensively for Alabama, pass rush didn't get home. J.J. McCarthy, Travis, was well protected by Michigan. I thought that was a big factor in the game. Um, from that standpoint, kind of reminded me about the Alabama-Texas game, right? That that 10-point loss to Texas back in September. Texas all over Milrow. Alabama could not get to Quinn Ewers at all. Uh, from, from that standpoint, I, I saw that similarity. Yeah, and I thought Michigan did a good job of getting the ball out of McCarthy's hands pretty quickly, too. I mean, they hurt Alabama with the backs, with the crossers, things that don't typically take a lot of time to develop. You know, they weren't trying to throw the the 17-yard pro out to the opposite from the opposite hash or take a lot of shots deep. But uh, McCarthy was very good, uh, very decisive, um, made a couple of the biggest plays of the game, uh, including one on the double pass where he makes a hell of a catch yes. on the backward pass to save it and then drops a dime on top of that there in the second quarter. So McCarthy was pretty much everything Michigan needed him to be. But you're right. I expected more from the Alabama pass rush now. You know, Alabama defensively, and we knew this, had to make some decisions on how it was going to go about dealing with this Michigan offense in terms of uh, personnel. You know, was it going to be big nickel uh, because of the run threat? Was it going to be maybe even some base? There was very little of that in the game. Um, But they still had opportunities because Michigan isn't a tempo team to get their dime package out there and get their guys that they want out there to rush the passer. And they, they still in those situations, just Michigan kind of had their stunts and twists and stuff like that kind of figured out. It didn't seem like Alabama had much new in the plan uh, from a pass rush perspective. And uh, Michigan had answers for it throughout the game. No doubt about it. All right, the Talking Tide podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. Going to thank a couple of sponsors here really quickly. Going to start by telling you all about Heat Pizza Bar. Frank Fleming and his staff at Heat Pizza do a fantastic job. They got the best pizza in Tuscaloosa over there in Government Square, 2256th Street. They've got a full bar. They've got flat screens all over the place with all the best sports going on. Nice patio outside. They've got the salads. They've got the apps. But the centerpiece, of course, is that fantastic pizza. Several signature pizzas. They've got some really good pizza specials and drink specials going on. Happy hour throughout the week. Check them out. It's Heat Pizza Bar, downtown Tuscaloosa in Government Square. I'm going to tell you about Peter Brook Chocolatier out there at 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. You have made it through the holiday season, but before you know it, you saw those strawberries right there in that previous frame with that milk chocolate wheel there at Peter Brook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa. It's going to be Valentine's good bread before you know it. We're a little more than a month out from Valentine's. Go ahead and pre-order your chocolate dip strawberries for the big day at 205-752-0211. Never too early to get on that list with Peterbrook Chocolatier. Be a hero coming up on Valentine's Day and get that special someone, those special Hand dip chocolate strawberries from Peterbrook Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa. 
All right, Talking Tide Podcast on the Belly Up Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. We've got a couple of more minutes in the program, Travis. A lot of roster news falling out, of course, in uh, the wake of Alabama's season-ending loss to Michigan. We've had some early draft declarations. We've had some transfer portal declarations. I'm not sure any of it is a huge surprise. You're starting cornerbacks moving on to the NFL. McKinstry, Arnold, no surprise there. Your top two pass rushers, Braswell and Turner, moving on to the NFL. Deontay Lawson sticking around. J.C. Latham moving on. I wouldn't call any of that a surprise. Uh, and, of course, transfer portal-wise, I guess we've seen Earl Little move on and and – Several others. Little a guy that that uh, I, I think's got a lot of promise. He's one guy I think Nick Saban uh, would have preferred not to leave, uh, but that's uh, that's the way of the world and uh, a lot of roster movement coming out of this season. It is, and the roster and the transfer portal it gives, and sometimes it takes away. You're able to secure the services of Damani Jackson, previously of USC at the cornerback position, and then you learn you're going to be losing Earl Little Jr. So, you know, I think with Malachi Moore, I guess, um, looking like he's back for another right. year, that's huge. Uh, we get caught up in talking about the departures, and sometimes it's the retentions that are that are just as big, if not bigger, Deontay Lawson, Malachi Moore, Tim Smith, you know, guys like that. Certainly it's going to be tough to replace the Justin Aboigbees and the Terrion Arnolds and the Kool-Aid McKinstries and uh, players like that. But on its, on its whole, you know, I think you feel pretty good about where Alabama sits right now, understanding this is late night on a Thursday and still some things, I guess, that, that could happen here. But I wouldn't say huge surprises like you. I think it's going to be imperative that some guys step forward at certainly offensive tackle center you know, becomes one of those positions uh, still with the secondary, even with Malachi, uh, you need a couple of guys to step up at corner and at safety. So there's going to be questions, but in today's sort of climate of college football, if this is sort of what it's limited to for Alabama with what it has coming in to go along with the portal, um, not the worst situation, I wouldn't think, Chase. No, it's not. And just to clarify on these on these portal windows, it, it, it's a little bit messy. Uh, these windows don't open and close quite as hard and sharp as as this date to that date. Um, there are waivers and exceptions, et cetera. One of them is if you're playing in a postseason game, you get an extra five days if it's outside the portal window, right? So I believe January first or second was supposed to be the official close of the portal window. But with Alabama playing a game on the first, that means everybody for Alabama gets an extra five days. So if that extra five day clock started on the second, then I guess we got another 48 hours, right? For the watch on who else might uh, decide to jump in. So as you said, things might not be finished. They might not. You still got some of these All-American games, uh, including one in San Antonio where a couple of guys are going to make their intentions known. And sounds like Alabama's very in the mix for Daniel Hill and uh, Zay Mincy, a corner out of uh, Daytona Beach. So, you know, it, it's not over yet. You still got to get Ryan Williams signed to the outstanding wide receiver who is reclassified to the class of 2024. 
man, there's just so much stuff that goes on now, you know, between the start of December and that late signing date, right? When you get into early February, what used to be the biggest day on the recruiting calendar uh, over on an annual basis. Now it's kind of an afterthought, but it's going to matter. I think this time around. No doubt about it. All right, that's going to wrap things up for this edition of Talking Tide. want to thank our listeners and viewers who have been with us for a long time, eight years now. The Talking Tide podcast is going to go into uh, somewhat of a hibernation for right now. We are not going to be broadcasting basketball season for the first time. Uh, we will see what comes of things in the fall. Uh, but for now, anyway, this is uh, a lengthy goodbye, Travis. And it's uh, it's been a great ride. We'll see what comes in the fall, but uh, for now we're gonna we're gonna close up shop for a good while. Oh, uh, we we definitely have a lot of fun. I don't I don't think that's uh, there's any doubt about that. I think we have a lot more fun than the Houston Ticket Man's having right now after those Longhorns yes. came up short. We got to get the Ticket Man in right at least one more time. So no, I mean we'll see what the future has in store for us, but absolutely, man, this has been absolutely a a blast and uh we'll certainly be in touch we'll be around all right for travis ryer abamaonline.com i'm chase goodbread sports columnist with the tuscaloosa news and this has been talking tide